0: Hey, nerds. I'm Will Wheaton, and you are hearing me talk. It is day 22 of uh, Self-Quarantine Palooza, and as I said, I don't know, was that yesterday or the day before, the last time you heard me talk, I am doing my best to keep myself entertained Um, and busy and sort of in shape by narrating short stories that I find in the public domain. Uh, I did a science fiction story uh, last time. Today I picked something completely different, something that is well outside of my comfort zone and outside of my experience level because I thought if I'm going to do this I may as well challenge myself and we'll find out together if it works. (laughs) So Um, this is actually in the children's fiction section uh, of Project Gutenberg. It is from uh, from a book called The Turquoise Storybook, Stories and Legends of Summer and Nature, compiled by Ada M. Skinner and Eleanor L. Skinner. It was published in 1918. Let me scroll down here a little bit and I will tell you Uh, another thing here. This is a little bit of their introduction. The beauty of the world gradually reveals itself to the child who forms the habit of observation. Through companionship with nature, supplemented by the reading of books which foster an interest in the ever-varying charm of the seasons, the young reader enriches his experience by learning to interpret the open pages of the world about him. Some of the stories, legends, and poems in the present volume point out facts in nature. Others stimulate interest because they appeal to the young reader's fancy, quicken his sense of humor, or attract his attention to some spiritual significance. Also, large use has been made of myths and wonder stories. They evolved in the childhood of the race, when the mystery of the physical world made a deep and serious impression upon primitive men, In terms of their own experiences, they explained and symbolized the beauty, order, and power which they beheld. The Turquoise Storybook is the third volume in a series of nature books, each of which emphasizes the interest in beauty characteristic of a particular season. The central theme of this volume is the loveliness of summer and its manifold blessings. So, a couple of things. Uh, Number one, Apparently, in 1918, only uh, men and boys read books, uh, according to the pronouns they chose to use um and uh i will not read the acknowledgments because it is literally a full page of text but they acknowledged and thanked a ton of people so this story that i read i just chose it because it looked like i could fit it into the roughly 12 to 15 minute time frame i've given myself to read these stories um i had not read it before i recorded it and uh i didn't know what to expect from it however i am incredibly pleased to um to, to have realized while reading it that um it is very relevant and pertinent to this particular moment in time. If you agree uh, with me on that, I would love to hear why. If you disagree with me on that, I would like you to keep it to yourself. I'm just joking, although not entirely. Um, I'm just curious to know, uh, sincerely, uh, what you think. Um, I feel like there is a little bit of a parable uh, wrapped up in here about um, uh, what is kind of going on in this present moment, and um, I, uh, I just... I'm it's interesting to me. All right, uh, that is everything. Uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, short story. Um, and uh, as always, be kind. The Sun Goddess by Frank Rinder Amaterasu, the sun goddess, was seated in the blue plain of heaven. Her light came as a message of joy to the celestial deities the orchid and the iris. The cherry and the plum blossom, the rice and the hemp fields answered to her smile. The inland sea was veiled in soft, rich colors. Susano'o, the brother of Amaterasu, who had resigned his ocean scepter and now reigned as the moon god, was jealous of his sister's glory and worldwide sway. The heaven-illuminating spirit had but to whisper, and she was heard throughout her kingdom even in the depths of the clear pool in the heart of the crystal. Her rice fields, whether situated on hillside, in sheltered valley, or by running stream, yielded abundant harvests, and her groves were laden with fruit. But the voice of Susano'o was not so clear. His smile was not so radiant. The undulating fields, which lay around his palace, were now flooded now parched, and his rice crops were often destroyed. The wrath and jealousy of the moon god knew no bounds, yet Amaterasu was infinitely patient and forgave him all things. Once, as was her wont, the sun goddess sat in the central court of her flower home. She plied the shuttle. Celestial weaving maidens surrounded a fountain whose waters were fragrant with the heavenly lotus bloom. They sang softly of the clouds and the wind and the light of the sky. Suddenly, the body of a piebald horse fell through the vast dome at their feet. The beloved of the gods had been flayed with a backward flaying by the envious Susano'o. Amaterasu, trembling at the sight, pricked her finger with the weaving shuttle and, profoundly indignant at the cruelty of her brother, withdrew into a cave and closed behind her the door of the heavenly rich dwelling. The universe was plunged in darkness. Joy and goodwill, serenity and peace, hope and love waned with the waning light evil spirits, who heretofore had crouched in dim corners, came forth and roamed abroad. Then grim laughter and discordant tones struck terror into all hearts. Then it was that the gods, fearful for their safety and for the life of every beautiful thing, assembled on the bed of the tranquil river of heaven, whose waters had been dried up, One and all knew that Amaterasu alone could help them, but how allure the heaven-illuminating spirit to set foot in this world of darkness and strife. Each god was eager to aid, and a plan was finally devised to entice her from her hiding place. Aminoko uprooted the holy Sakaki trees, which grew on the mountain of heaven and planted them around the entrance of the cave. High on the upper branches were hung the precious string of curved jewels which Inzogni had bestowed upon the sun goddess. From the middle branches drooped a mirror wrought of the rare metals of the celestial mine. Its polished surface was as the dazzling brilliancy of the sun." Other gods wove fine threads of hemp and paper mulberry on an imperial robe of white and blue, which was placed as an offering to the goddess on the lower branches of the Sakaki. A palace was also built, surrounded by a garden, in which the Blossom God called forth many delicate plants and flowers. Now, all was ready. Amenoko stepped forward, and in a loud voice entreated Amaterasu to show herself. His appeal was in vain. The great festival began. Uzume, the goddess of mirth, led the dance and song. Leaves of the spindle tree crowned her head. Club moss from the heavenly mount of kagu formed her sash. Her flowing sleeves were bound with the creeper vine. And in her hand, she carried leaves of the wild bamboo and waved a wand of sungrass hung with tiny, melodious bells. Uzume blew on a bamboo flute, while eight hundred myriad deities accompanied her on wooden clappers and instruments formed of bowstrings across which were rapidly drawn stalks of reed and grass. Great fires were lighted around the cave, and as these were reflected in the face of the mirror, the long, singing birds of eternal night began to crow as if day had dawned. The merriment increased, the dance grew wilder and wilder, and the gods laughed until the heavens shook as if with thunder. Amaterasu, in her quiet retreat, heard unmoved the crowing of cocks and the sounds of music and dancing. But when the heavens shook with the laughter of the gods, she peeped from her cave and said, What means this? I thought heaven and earth were dark, but now there is light. Uzume dances, and all the gods laugh. Uzume answered, It is true that I dance and that the gods laugh because in our midst is a goddess whose splendor equals your own. Amaterasu gazed into the mirror and wondered greatly when she saw therein a goddess of exceeding beauty, her own lovely image. She stepped from her cave and forthwith a cord of rice straw was drawn across the entrance. Darkness fled from the land, and there was light. Then the eight hundred myriad deities cried, Oh, may the sun goddess never leave us again.